Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. My next guest on the Sandro Forte podcast, I'm delighted to say I'm really looking forward to this one, is property developer Rob Lloyd, who appeared on Channel 4's The Secret Millionaire because he was once amongst the richest men in Wales with a personal net worth of £37 million. However, after being scammed a substantial sum and the financial collapse of 2008, Rob was left destitute and living in a caravan. If that wasn't hard enough, Rob was then diagnosed with lymphoma, an incurable but treatable form of cancer. But since his diagnosis, Rob has embarked on a fundraising journey working closely with the charity Sense, which provides care for the severely disabled. I told you I was looking forward to today and you're about to find out many more reasons why. Rob, Lloyd, thank you so much for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast today. This has taken a while to organise, but uh, it's going to be fantastic and I'm delighted you've joined us. Thank you. Sandro, thank you very much indeed. We finally got there and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. My first podcast, so uh, yeah, really looking forward to this one. Uh, a podcast newbie, I love it. I'll, I'll try and treat you gently, Rob. Um, just, despite the fact we're nearly three years on, I'm, I'm still learning myself. So let's, uh, let's help ourselves through this one. Um, so, you know, uh, the first thing people are going to say is, you know, property guru, property developer, made a load of money. Uh, but, you know, with the, with the extra challenge in life, if you like, of, of losing a fortune and, you know, dealing with some real challenges from a, from a personal health perspective. Um, you know, there's a myriad of ways we can go with this conversation today, but let's start in the obvious place, Rob, the, the background. I know that one of the things that no one knows about you is that you had, um, well, you nearly lost your foot, didn't you, when you were very young, dad, dad dairy farmer. So let's start from the very early part, your earliest memories of a child, and let's fast forward to where we are today. Okay, fantastic. Well, it all started, Sandro, on my father's dairy farm. That's, that's where I was brought up in Cheshire. And I had a very severe accident when I was only probably about three or four years old. I was on a, a harvester. My father and family, they were doing the usual thing, picking potatoes and things like that. And I fell off the harvester and ended up going under the harvester and having the back blade go through my foot and almost lost the foot actually in the field, would you believe? Um, I was rushed to hospital. Uh, long, long story short, it was touch and go whether I'd actually lose my foot or not. And I was in and out of hospital probably for the best part of six months during that episode. Uh, my mother and father were obviously frantic and the doctor's surgeons basically said, had I not been that young when it had happened, I would have inevitably lost my foot. I had a skin graft and fortunately for me, um, they saved my foot and it's not really affected me throughout my life because uh, I've done lots of sports and activities and things like that. So I was very, very lucky and it could have been a, a completely different story. 
And then I got headhunted by a firm in North Wales. It was a company called David McLean Group. They were quite a progressive contractor, house builder and things like that. And they were looking for somebody to run their commercial division. And during the second year, I decided that it'd probably be a good idea to cash in my shares and start myself, uh, start my own business, because I thought, you know, all I'm doing is giving 75% of the uh, the deals away or the profits away, and I, I'm, I'm doing all the work myself. So I um, sat down with David McLean at the time, and we, we worked out a deal. I cashed in the shares, got some money, and I set up my own uh, property company, Lloyd Investments. I went down to London um, on, on a business uh, sort of excursion at the time. And I went into a, it was called Quaglino's. I don't know if it's still going, just off German Street in, in there. And I was waiting for my meeting to turn up. Ultimately, my meeting had to cancel for some reason or other. And I was at the bar and uh, I was just having a, a, a Diet Coke at the time. And this bloke next door to me, who I didn't know from Adam, started talking and he said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'll do a bit in property. Um, I'm not doing much at the moment. And I told him a bit about my background. And then he said, well, my name's Bartley and I, I run a little company around the corner uh, called UK Land PLC and things like <laughs> The Elephant and Castle and all this sort of thing. And so they were quite a big uh, PLC company listed on the uh, London stock market. And he said, I need somebody like you. Why don't you come and work for me? And within a week, I was uh, working for a new subsidiary of UK Land Manchester. Well, it was UK Land Manchester Limited. And I had 33% of that company. They issued me 33% of the company. So that, that was really good. And I saw it as a, a challenge, but a learning exercise because UK land were renowned for being wheeler dealers, adding a lot of value to estates and buildings and what have you. And learned a lot from particularly Graham. And he said, look, we'll fund you for a year. But after a year, if you haven't done any deals, obviously we're going to let you go. And I rolled up my sleeves, got stuck in straight away. And the first deal I found was a defunct, best word of describing it, I guess, shopping centre in Bangor in North Wales. And it was owned at the time by GEC um, and quite a big firm. It had been mismanaged. It had about 52 tenants in the, in the shopping centre and I phoned them up. I, I said, you know, I understand the shopping centres for sale. They said, well, we've issued a contract to, I think it was a company called Ethel Austin Properties at the time. And they said they, they'd been a bit slow. They hadn't exchanged contracts. But if you were quick, um, we'll put you in a contract race. So I'd agreed a price to buy the shopping centre at 1.1 million at the time. And uh, there was quite a lot of income. It had a car park, multi-story car park at the back, et cetera, et cetera. Some good tenants, Argos and people like that. Council were in there in some of the office space. So I phoned my solicitor and said, look, um, and his, his name was Keith. I phoned Keith up. I said, look, Keith, I've got a deal um, for the new company, UK Land Manchester, and I need it to happen. But we're going to be, we're going to have to be quick because we, we're, we're going to be in a contract race literally from tonight or today. 
And uh, he said, well, what, what do you want me to do? And I said, well, I need you to come down to London and we need to sign a contract tomorrow. And he said, well, there's not hope in hell, Rob. I'm, I'm up to my eyes and I've got other clients to see. Anyway, I saw my backside, basically, put the phone down on him. And within 20 minutes, he phoned me back. He said, look, we've, we've been friends for a long time. I've cancelled my meetings. Where do you want me? Met him at Crew Station. We went down to London. We, we ended up in the Cumberland Hotel, as it was at the time. I think it's now Hard Rock Hotel or whatever at Marble Arch. And um, we arrived about four o'clock. There was documents everywhere at reception. Uh, that so the solicitors acting on behalf of the vendors at the time, you know, issued all the all the papers and so on. And the upshot of it all was we worked throughout the night. And by eleven o'clock the following morning, we exchanged contracts. And then we sold the shopping centre about nine months later. For, I think it was 2.3 million to a guy called Anton Bilton, who, uh, you know, big, big property um, developer and investor in London. And that, that was the start of the journey with UK land. And we did various other bits and pieces. And it was happy days. And But as I say, it was the art of the deal. What, what I learned, particularly with the experience at UK land, was buying something at a distressed value and adding the value quickly keep it retaining the income and then you know selling it on and that that was great experience then what happened uh uk land were going through a transition period and i got called in and said look um they wanted to take the company private uh, colin tech was the chairman at the time and graham and him wanted to take the company private and Basically, we dished out the proceeds and I ended up coming away from that business with quite a bit of money and ultimately decided, you know, sod it, I'm going to set up my own company now and I'm going to try and build a company and float that company myself. That was always my childhood ambition, in, in fairness. I always, for some daft reason, I wanted to be chief executive of a public limited company on the London stock market because a lot of people said I couldn't possibly do it. So that was a, a, another challenge in a, in a different way. So I set up a company called Eatonfield. Well, it was Eatonfield Holdings at the time back in 1998 and did exactly the same as I'd been doing historically, buying turning sites, building up a land bank and so on and so forth and built it up to quite a large company. I think we had about 250 staff at the time. We had offices in Mould, Cardiff, Bristol, Newcastle. We had land buyers all over the place. And so it, it was it was a company that was growing rapidly. And it, it was at the time where the market was really good and got a lot of advice from stockbrokers and um, you know, people, you know, professional parties and so on. And I approached Rothschilds and said, look, what, what do you think I should do? And they said, you, you've got two options. You're at a size now where you could potentially float. Um, we, we would suggest you float on the Ames market, on the London stock market, uh, or you do a trade sale. And I said, oh, I quite fancy the idea of floating and that, that would achieve my ambition and goal of being a chief exec of a public company. So we, we appointed a team. It was uh, the old Williams de Bro team who eventually came Evolution Securities. And we floated on the stock market in November 2006. 
and I sold 52% of the business, retained 48% of the business, and we had a great variety of um, institutional shareholders and and the like, and the company just grew. We, I think the, the... the second year, as as we we were a public company, we made about seven million profit. So it, it was a strong company, and and it was one of those times where I, I'd taken quite a bit of cash out or old money, as you call it, out of the business. So I had one farm at the time, which was really a, just a small stud farm up in Holkin in North Wales, and I always had an ambition to have a racing yard, horse racing yard. So a pal of mine at Strutton Parker, um, they found me a, a, a really nice farm in uh, just outside Tarpley, a place called Spurstow. And I bought this 180-acre farm and spent probably about £6 million creating my dream, which was a, a horse racing yard. So we had all these horses. I bought about 55 Racehorses. Sorry, I'm bragging a bit now, but it all collapses soon. So, <laughs> um, so it was hemorrhaging cash and had all the gallop. So it was really like a five-star horse establishment. It was just down the road from Michael Owen's uh, racing establishment, and um, it was quite good fun. So we had a, a bit of banter, you know, going head to head on a few racehorse meetings and things like that. And unfortunately you know i i got into the position where i had all this money money and, and I, I just thought it was never going to stop and you, you you get to the point well how many boats can you ski behind or how many bentleys or what cars can you have on it it was all the trappings of success and i wasn't used to it in, in all fairness you know i achieved what i achieved and i was really great grateful for all of that i'd worked hard along the journey uh, fortunate enough to send my, my children away to boarding school and they, they went to Rydal and ultimately up to Gordonston and things like that. So they, I was a great believer in education. I thought, you know, if I can give my kids a, a good education, you know, they go out and do it themselves then, you know, um, and hopefully they've got the ambition to do whatever they want to do. And it all came tumbling down. It was around oh, 2010. Um, it was a financial financial crisis. It was horrendous. And I was actually on a roadshow. We were, we were actually in London at the time. Second day of the roadshow, we were looking to raise about £50 million of new money for, for further expansion. And got a call from the stockbrokers at the time and said, Rob, we're going to have to pull it. The, the, the market's in turmoil, the banks are in free fall, the shares are collapsing off, you know, house builders and property companies and, and banks just, it, it was like rabbits in headlights, you know, it was horrendous. I ended up with nothing. I mean, and, and when I say nothing, I had literally nothing. I had to sell my house to, to keep it going and literally put everything back in. I sold the, the racing yard to Eatonfield at a huge discount to prop up the balance sheet and all these sort of things, put a load of cash back into the business to the point where the bank gave me 24 hours to put a million pound in. And I got a million pound together and put it in, propped it up against the advice of lawyers and brokers and said, look, don't do it, Rob. You know, just just walk away from it and then go and try and buy it back at a discount. And I wasn't prepared to do that because I was... It's loyalty, you know, and as I say, it comes back to the way I was brought up on the farm, you know, your words, your bond and things like that, and you you stick with it. Back in, yeah, back in 
early 2019, I, I wanted to run the London Marathon. I'd always always had it in my or, or on my wish list to run this London Marathon. And I, the, well, the only way I could do it was to do it through a charity because, you know, it, it's almost impossible to get a, a place, you know, unless you, you're lucky and you, you've done a lot of marathons and things like that. So the first charity that came up when I Googled was a charity called Sense. And I did a bit of research into them and what great jobs, you know, like all these charities, they do remarkable jobs and help people and all that type of thing. But I got quite fond of the Sense one and that's the only one I researched in fairness. And I emailed them and within a week they came back and said, we'd be delighted to offer you a place. So I started training for this London Marathon. I didn't give myself much time actually because it was only just after Christmas. So uh, I started training and not long into the training, I, I used to get a lot of nosebleeds, which was not usual for me. And uh, they, they gradually got worse and worse. And anyway, I thought, look, I'll just get the London Marathon done and finished, which I did and raised quite a bit of money for. But I think at the time it was about £10,000 or whatever. And uh, straight after the London Marathon, and well, one thing was I knew there was a problem because it took me seven hours to complete the London Marathon, which, and, and I thought, you know, for somebody that had been quite fit all, all my life type of thing, I thought I'd run it in certainly four and a half, five at the outset, even though I hadn't done a huge amount of training. And um, I went to the doctors, I explained that I had quite a few nosebleeds and within, within the half hour that I was there, sent me straight for a blood test to the hospital, uh, came back, and he said, you're going straight to Glancluid Hospital uh, to the cancer unit. I said, oh, right. Um, I said, does that mean I've got cancer? And he said, expect the worst. <laughs> so your stomach's going and, you, you know, that probably wasn't the right thing for the doctor to say at the time. Anyway, got, got to the hospital. They were all ready for me. Um, I was in my own, it was almost like a private ward type thing. So I had my own bedroom and things like that. And they did a load of tests. There was about seven different people there, consultants, doctors, nurses, this, that, and the other. And again, within a very short space of time, I was on a drip. And uh, they said, we, we, we don't know quite what, what the diagnosis is, uh, but we're going to have to do some tests and all this sort of thing. Anyway, I was diagnosed with um, lymphoma, which is cancer of the blood and went through chemotherapy for best part of nine months uh, in and out of hospital things like that you know obviously family were worried and what have you and the bottom line is that the cancer that i've got it it's not actually curable but it's treatable so uh, which is great so I, I go back every well it's now every six months for a blood test and 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 you know, touch wood, uh, everything's everything's fine. It's it's kind of normal as normal can be. And during the, I suppose, the nine months, it gave me a lot of time when I was in hospital to think about life, about family, business, uh, charity things, and other things that I'd like to do. Because they, I kept saying, "How long have I got to live?" And they said, "Well, we don't know. It's one of those things. It could be a year. It could be fifteen years. It could be, you know, whatever." So I thought, right, well, I just need to get my, my act together and I want to plan for the future, you know, just, just in case things uh, go pear-shaped. So ultimately, the family, important. You know, I want to make sure things are in place for them and uh, my wife and what have you. 
I thought that I'd like to do a bit more charity work and give a bit more back, you know, because, you know, my life's not been too bad. Um, had some ups and downs along the way and it's been quite a journey. But and I wanted to really give something back to to Sense as a charity. And I sat down with them. They were looking for expansion into Wales. They want they hadn't got any shops in Wales at, during that time. And we we set out about a plan to try and find them 20 stores in Wales and, and still England because they, they wanted to expand. And the first deal, and I was made up, the first deal I did back in 2019 for them was on the old RBS building. So this is payback time. So I bought this building next door to Marks and Spencer's and I bought it dirt cheap. Um, Sense went in and it was in a, a great prime location in the centre of Llandidno and they trade really well to this day and the the story goes on and we, we're doing some more challenges uh, so I've done about 22 challenges over the year we've raised £88,000 so far um, it, it's been really hard to get sponsorship and donations but you keep keep going and I'm, I'm determined this month to get to the magic figure of £100,000. So I've got about five other challenges to do this month. I'm doing a challenge next Friday, which is a wing walk, which I'm dreading because I hate heights anyway. And then I'm back at the Brecon Beacons to do what's known as the Gemini challenge, which is uh, with a Bergen on your back, it's 37 pounds of weight on your back, 15 miles each day, Saturday and Sunday. So that's going to be quite grueling again. But I'm hoping that I can get enough support and uh, get to that magic figure of 100,000 pounds, fingers crossed. Going on from that, um, we thought it might be a good idea if I set out last year, it all started last year, back in March of last year, that I do 12 months of hell challenges. And I said, yeah, I'll be up for that. We'll raise, if we can raise 100,000 throughout the year, that would be incredible. Well done. Well, what, a, what an amazing story. Um, I'm not even sure I know where to start um, dissecting all of that, Rob. But the first thing I would say, you know, what lovely tribute to your wife, as you say, uh, behind every great man, there's a great woman and vice versa. So um, lovely that you, you said that. And for those listening to the Sandro Forte podcast, what you won't necessarily know about Rob so far, although you know, we've definitely picked it up so far on what he's had to say. He's a very humble, very modest man. And the reason I say that is because there will be people listening, Rob, who will say, you know, this guy's a master, an incredible fortune. And then, as you said, the, the Bentleys and the helicopters and the affluent lifestyle and the racehorses and, you know, the problem, you know, let's call it overindulgence. Uh, and therefore, you know, we haven't really got an awful lot of sympathy. But, but, you know, one thing we know about life is it's a constant learning experience. And that's what's come across loud and clear. So I guess the question I've got for you is, and, and, and you're here really to settle a debate that we hear all the time from listeners, which is um, health, wealth. I think that's that's probably the first question I've got for you, you know, which which has proven most important to you. I think we probably know the answer, but it's, it's important to ask you the question. Um, and then this whole thing around a lot of people say, well, you can't take it with you. Um, you made it, you lost it, and now, of course, you're making it again. Um, do you have any regrets uh, as to as to what happened? You know, if you had your time over again, would you do it differently? Or do you just accept that what has happened is part of that whole learning experience that, that you've been through? Um, I, I suppose I have got regrets. Um, 
the path that I've taken and, and you know, I'm older, wiser now. And I think had I have had the experience that I've got now, I'd have probably have done uh, things differently. And I would probably have taken the advice, particularly from the solicitors at the time when it was all going pear-shaped at Eatonfield and, you know, not not so much about putting all the money that I had earned back into the business, but perhaps keeping keeping a, a bit, you know, for a rainy day. And I didn't because I walked away there with with zero, uh, and and that's an honest fact. Um, one bad experience that I did have at the t- you know in the good old days, I um, thought I'd bought a, a fantastic plot of land in the Bahamas in NASA on on Paradise Island, and it cost me over a million pounds for this fantastic plot of land and um, got on very well with the attorney out there who turned it out to be uh, a fraudster, unfortunately. And I had an office over in the Bahamas uh, because we'd supposedly got the government uh, contract to build about, uh, what was it, 7,000 homes for the Bahamians. And we had a a fully-fledged office over there and, you know, I put an million pounds and anyway that that was a bad experience in my life because the money was embezzled and um you know that there is actually a, a court case this year in in august and it's just that that's a big regret to me because it's taken best part of 12 years to come to a head and that was a terrible experience uh, through no fault of my own uh, we got the guy arrested and things like that whether i'll get any money back from it who knows? But um, that that was a you know a big uh, uh, black spot in my in my life. But um, I, I, I think the journey has has had its ups and downs. Would I do things differently? Yes, probably would. Um, I'd be a bit uh, sharper or work smarter, effectively. You know, maybe. And that's what I'm doing now. You know, I, I it's the art of not wasting time, I suppose. And I'm a great believer in keeping things simple. And if, you know, if I was to give advice to anybody starting a business is your business plan, just, just keep it simple. Um, almost like idiot proof that that's the way I sort of use the terminology. Um, have a good team around you. It's, it's all the usual fundamentals in business. You know, you, you have to have a good team and, uh, you know, make sure your cash flows right and all, all that type of thing. But, uh, you know, I'm having one more go for old time's sake to, to build Bearmont up. That, that's my new group of companies. Um, got a good team around me. Got some of the old team from, from Eatonfield days. The group is is expanding, but I'm, I'm trying to keep it all under control, you know, and manageable uh, and not do anything silly. I can, you know, I can't afford to drop the ball at my time of life now. And, uh, you know, as far as my, my children are concerned, that I wanted to give them an education and it's not so much leaving a legacy or anything like that as far as I'm concerned. You know, I've given them an education so that they've got the ability to hopefully go out and do their own thing. And my three um, grown-up children, you know, they're all doing their own things very successfully. And I'm hoping I can do the same for my my little one that's six now. So, you know, I'm a great believer in education. Um, some people don't, they don't want to spend the money, but it's it's one of those that, that's sort of inbred with me. Set your goals out and and do your best to you, you, you're, you're the best of your own ability, you know. And um, I always think there's always more in you. And it, it's particularly, that comes back to when I did the, the SAS boot camp and you think you know at the end of the first day 
you can't go, there's no more in you. You're exhausted. And my bank manager, pal, the Sunday morning, this is just a thing that, that happened. He, he just came to my tent. He said, Rob, I'm, I'm packing it and I can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm going home. I've just had enough. And I've got to, and, he, and genuinely he did have a bad back. So, you know, I just said, yeah, that, that, that's fine. And um, at the end of the, well, coming to the end of the Sunday, uh, we were all wet through. I was actually shivering. And one of the um, the instructors, he, he could say, I, I, I think I was white as a sheet and I was almost about to literally faint. He came over, took his jacket off, put it, you know, he said, just stick that on you, you know, you get through it, you know. And um, as I say, yeah, there's always more in you and uh, you keep try- striving for, you know, the goals that you, you set out, whether they're success goals or health goals or or whatever you know and um, <laughs> i was i was about to say you know everything i've heard you talk about you know uh, this whole resilience and mental strength thing seems to be at the core of everything you've ever done from you know the ambitions to achieve certain things to you know getting through some really really tough times i mean some you know from mistakes that you know we all naturally make in life as part of that learning process some that unfortunately were imposed upon you by market conditions and and uh and rather unscrupulous lawyers or so-called lawyers in in the bahamas um but you know resilience and mental strength it's an obvious question rhetorical i guess how important have those two things been to the success of rob lloyd over the last 20 30 years i i think a lot of it is down to it's, it's been my fear of failure and i can't bear you know if, if if i've got an ambition to do something whether it's on these challenges and things like that and i, I put it down to the mirror test so, i mean my first challenge i mean i'm going off at a, a, an angle here sandro but i think it, it's quite an important point is i was absolutely terrified of dr- jumping out of this plane and you know, for a week before I couldn't sleep, I was feeling physically sick. And I'd got some sort of guidance from a, a fitness uh, guru um, that said, you know, you need to look at the mirror test. And it, it's all to do, it's self belief. And you, you look in the mirror and you can do it. You've got to say to yourself, you can do this. And I think it, it was at that point the failure element came in and thought, if if I don't do this, I've let not only myself down, I've let the charity down and the fundraising. So I have to do it. Um, I don't think I'll be doing it again, mine, but <laughs> I do the kids and my wife, but I think that would be it. Um, so it, it's, yeah, it, it comes down to to being scared of failure you know that's both business and you know the events that are, that I've done really what's what's been the most difficult challenge and I don't mean the senseless cha- uh, challenges necessarily but you know was was the lymphoma diagnosis was it the the collapse of the business what what's been the the toughest moment for you that you found perhaps the most challenging to get through rob i I, th- I think it, it 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 and it still haunts me to this day was Eaton Field was my my baby that I built it up from scratch, 100% shareholder of the business, built a team around me, got some great professional people, great staff, very committed. And seeing that company grow from an acorn to what it was, 
And at the end is when you've got people, grown men, coming in your office, literally breaking down. And at that point, I thought, well, I'm, you know, I'm at the helm of it. I'm the one to blame. You know, forget the market conditions, the banking crisis and all that sort of thing. And it's still to this day, I still see when, you know, I still have these almost nightmares where people come in in the office and say, look, can you just keep it? Because we have to make redundancies. We, We have no choice. And people just breaking down in your office, people that I'd worked with for a long time. And it was it was very difficult. It was very difficult. Um, you know, a lot of people that, that listen to this podcast who send us emails in their thousands on occasion, they they talk about, you know, I've I've had a setback, I'm trying to deal with a particular problem or challenge. What what simple piece of advice would you give to someone who is experiencing a setback? And how do they find a way because you know if you say well be resilient have self-belief they will say well that's fine how is there a process is there something i have to go through in order to get out of the other side how, how did you deal with some of those setbacks that you faced well it, you have to deal with it head head on you, you know you can't just go burying your head in the sand and think it's all going to go away you, you've just got to you know, step up to the plate, step up to the mark, call, call it what you like, um, and just deal with it head on and make sure you take advice from the professional advisors, whether it's a legal situation or a banking situation. Y- you need your team around you. And that that is fundamentally very, very important going forward. That's all um, I would say. Rob, how can people, I mean, there's going to be people going, wow, what you know, incredible story from, you know, those early years, three old, nearly used, you know, ends up permanently disabled uh, to the experiences you had building a business, losing a business, the health uh, challenges that you've had and will continue to have moving forward. And now this incredible new business, the kind of the phoenix that's rising from from the ashes. Uh, you know, clearly you're a very talented guy, but, but modest and humble with it. Uh, how can people get hold of you? How can they find out what you're doing? How can they support Sense? Uh, and and understand all these crazy things you're doing. You and I have a lot in common, by the way, in terms of crazy stunts for charity. Uh, but I'll come back to that again in a second. How can people, you know, find out more about you? Website presence, social media. Where are you? Brilliant. Well, just just on the the sense which I'm obviously really passionate about. So um, the the girls run the social media for me, and it's very simply Rob's senseless challenge all one word on instagram and facebook if it's linkedin it's either rob lloyd just simply rob lloyd or bearmont group and that's b-e-a-r-m-o-n-t and and that's it um simple as that and maybe you could do one of the challenges with me sandra well do you know what i i I reckon i'm up for that i'll tell you there's two things i'm going to say to you rob we will absolutely do one of the challenges together that's number one and the other thing, and I want everyone to know that Rob is not expecting this, and it's a very modest gesture, but um, if you've ever listened to the Sandro Forte podcast before, you may know that there is a charitable foundation that sits in the background. And what we'd like to do is a thank you for being a great guest is to, to give you a £1,000 towards your, um, your £12,000 target to get to 100 grand. And maybe, maybe if we do something together, I might be able to bring a little bit more money and help you get to your magical 100000 So. We'd love to do that on behalf of everyone listening to the Sandro Forte podcast to in tribute to everything you've achieved, lost and achieved again, Rob. 
Thank you ever so much. I'm so grateful. That is a total surprise. Thank you. I'm going to make sure the challenge that we do together is going to be awesome. <laughs> don't make it. Don't make it a wing walk. I'm terrified of heights, just like you. Um, so, final question, Rob. If you were to give, oh gosh, given all of your experiences, that you know, the the failures, the regrets, the successes, um, you know, the challenges around health, the, the growth of your family, and all the things that are important to you. What's the one single piece of advice? If you can condense down all of your life experiences into one single piece of advice, what would it be to a younger version of yourself? Maybe, maybe the six-year-old, maybe one of your sons. I, I, I think one word says it all is just keep things simple. Set out your goals in life. Keep to a, a, a sort of a critical path and keep ticking the, you know, the... Um, the levels off once you've achieved those goals basically but keep it simple keep it idiot proof i would say look after yourself health wise um and yeah simple as that really to be honest good, good answer it's a very good answer because i i think it's uh, all too easy to overcomplicate things in in life and business rob um i'd love to go on talking to you for for a lot longer and we'll do that offline we'll we'll have a beer and we will uh, we'll plan the challenge which we will announce on the Sandro Forte podcast and of course if anyone wants to support us uh, then that's uh, that would be great so uh, Rob Lloyd uh, what can I say but a very big thank you genuinely for being an amazing guest the story is incredible almost at times unbelievable but you know um, you are a terrific individual and, and I know you're modest uh, and that will embarrass you somewhat but no everything you you stand for everything you've done everything you continue to do is Nothing short of remarkable. So thank you for being an amazing Sandro Forte podcast guest. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. And thank you for the donation as well. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. Good luck to, all, to you and all you do. And thank you, of course, to all of you from all around the world for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. We're closing in on 200 guests. Could you believe that three years ago? And hasn't Rob Lloyd been an absolutely amazing guest today on the Sandro Forte podcast? Remember, um, and it's going to take some topping, but we've got a new guest every week to join us talking about success, achieving, overcoming life challenges and everything in between. Please make sure you subscribe, tell your friends and family about it. Follow us on social media. You know how it works by now. It's at Sandro's podcast. Don't forget the little S in the middle. And if you'd like to email us with a question for Rob or just reach out to Rob yourself, it's hello at sandrospodcast.com. Please remember to leave a review on iTunes. That's really, really important. And do connect with me. It's at Sandro Forte on social media too, apart from the real Sandro Forte on Instagram because somebody once stole my name and I haven't tracked them down yet. Anyway, to Rob Lloyd, to all of you for listening, thank you once again and see you this time next week. Mm -hmm.